Good morning. What a great morning of worship. Thanks, guys. Good job. That's awesome. Well, it was a joy to be with you last night. Some of you are going, okay, these are the marriage people. I'm not married. I'm too young. I'm too old. <laughs> Don't want to be. Uh, this, what, where we're going this morning is really focused to a very uh, focused group of people. It's for people that have relationships with other people. <laughs> and some of you are going, well, leave me up. So, uh, we, Debbie and I live in McKinney, Texas. Uh, we've been married 45 years. We have three kids. Most importantly, we have six grandchildren. And it is just so much fun. If you're not in that season of your life, the empty nest is awesome. If you like each other. Yeah. <laughs> And that's where maybe where we're going that's today. That's exactly yeah, right. Thank you. Uh, I love a church that realizes that the family is major important. Yeah. Stephen, I say all the time, as a marriage goes, so goes the family, and then so goes the church. That's right. So if we do not stop and focus on the on the marriages and on families in our church, then we can't be all that God's called us to be. And Steve and I, Steve was on staff of six different churches, never the lead pastor. He was a youth minister, and then God moved him into family ministry. So we know what it's like to be on staff at a church. We also know what it's like to come on a Sunday morning after having a huge fight and then try to tell people about Jesus. But can I tell you, did, we do that. I yeah. know, I'm going did like Did we this. do that? I didn't remember we did that last night. No. Not last night. I'm talking about years. Yeah, years. So basically. No, no, we would have a fight. When we started doing marriage conferences, we would always have a fight on Wednesday before we did the, did the conference on Friday or Saturday because Satan wanted to take us out. And we are aware of that. Are you aware of that? That Satan wants to take you out of something like this morning, on, on the way to the church, your kids don't have matching shoes. <laughs> and you're going, who put, who put your clothes on? I can't believe it. And you're just kind of going crazy on them. And then you walk in the back door and you go, well, praise Jesus. God's good, isn't he? Don't look at our kids, but God's good. <laughs> and it's just that way. We're, we battle. We battle trying to stay in the game with Jesus to worship and to know that God's got us and he wants us there. So basically where we're going to go this morning, um, Steve and I hit a major wall at the 12-year mark of our marriage. And basically, as we shared last night, when we married, we literally jumped into ministry, not into marriage. Because we believed with all of our heart that marriage would just take care of itself. And I went into it believing that if we loved the Lord, which we did, and if we if we loved uh, each other, which we did, that was going to equal the happily ever after. Right. I didn't think ever once in my mind, because no one ever told me, that marriage is the hardest thing you'll ever do. So I didn't go into marriage thinking we would ever struggle. And I think because of that denial, we began to disconnect from one another, all the while doing ministry, all the while raising our children. And y'all, if you disconnect from one another eventually it's going to come to a head. And it did at the 12-year mark. And, and not to go into the full story because we don't have time, but we almost lost each other at the 12-year mark. We had to make a decision at the 12-year mark to dig our heels in 
and figure out why God created marriage and what we weren't doing that we needed to do in order to have a healthy, godly marriage. At the 12-year mark, man, on a Wednesday night, Debbie said, if this is what marriage is, I don't want it anymore. And it was a two-by-four to my forehead to go, man, I thought everything was fine. Uh, We have a dog, we have a house, we have cars, we have kids, and we have sex every once in a while. What else does she want from me? (laughs) And we discovered we went into depth, and that's kind of where we're going today. We went into depth of going, okay, God, there's more to just going through the motion. There's got to be a connection here, a spiritual connection. Until you get this right, this won't be right. There's going to be something missing. But we... We had this right, but this I, I was a man, and I just didn't communicate well, and I didn't hear what she was saying, and I, you fill in the blanks. And, and we, we drifted to the point of, if this is what marriage is, I don't want it anymore. And so once we hit that wall and determined that we needed to figure this thing out, we began, began to do some diving into what got us to that place. But I remember one day as we were talking about our marriage, I looked at Steve and I said, Steve, we're an Israelite. Mm. If you know the Old Testament, which I know you do, go back to the Old Testament and you realize that the Israelites walked with God for a period of time and then they would walk away from God. And it didn't matter what God did for them. They were not faithful to him. And so this morning, we are going to talk about being an Israelite because we are Israelites and we will drift apart. Guys, every marriage drifts, not intentionally. We don't set out to drift apart from one another, but the busyness and the current of life many times will cause you to drift. I want to give you a visual, a picture of what drifting looks like. Steve and I are visual learners. So we always have pictures for what we're trying to talk about. Years ago at the 12-year mark, we went to the beach. That's where we begin our journey to find each other. That is a representation to us of a healing place where God started an incredible journey with us. Because of that, we go back to the beach every summer. We love the beach. Now, y'all, we're beach people, which means we're going to go to the beach for the day. We don't just go out the condo and put our feet in the water for a few minutes and go back in. No, we're going to go for the day. If you go to the beach for the day, you got to have a lot of stuff, correct? you got to have food. You've got to have drinks. You've got to have chairs. You've got to have umbrellas. And so once we get all of that paraphernalia together, we load Steve up, and then off we go to the beach. Because the (laughs) girls have got to look cute going to the beach. You know, and I'm going, thank you. That's a picture of every dad at the beach. Anyway, once we get to the beach, we figure out where we want to build our nest for the day. So we get everything set up. And before the grandkids, this is what we would do. After we would get set up, maybe it'd be 30 minutes or an hour after we got everything set up. But everybody in our family had to have their own float. And so one of us would say, okay, let's go. Which meant, grab your float, we're going out into the water. So we would go out into the water, we'd go past the breaking of the waves where the water is smooth, and we would hold on to each other's floats and laugh and talk and play. Y'all, our daughter was scared to death of sharks, and so her big brothers would just maximize on that fear. Kick underneath her float, (laughs) ah, it's a shark! 
But anyway, after we'd be out there for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, invariably somebody in the family would look at the shore and go, hey, somebody's moved our stuff. Now, y'all know no one moved our stuff. But while we're out having fun, just doing life, the current has moved us from here, and now we're way down here. Now, what's the natural thing to do when that happens? All right, Steve, get us back. <laughs> I said, hey, hold on, let's go. We're good. I'm swimming back, trying to get back to where our stuff is. And I look back, and nobody's paddling. <laughs> and I'm going, y'all are not doing anything. Get your hand off my paddle. And I said, I'm going, I'm going back. It's too hard. You know what? Time out. I am not going to swim. I'm going to go to shore. I'm going to get on solid ground. I'm going to walk back to our stuff. Question of the day. Has your life, let's go life first before marriage. Has your life drifted? Have you drifted to the point in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships that you think, man, I can't even see my umbrella. I just need to go get a new umbrella. You don't need a new wife or husband. You don't need new friends. You need to go get back. You need to go stand, get back on solid ground. Y'all, this is where God said in Deuteronomy to his people, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, will you choose life? Will you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? When you do, you'll live and increase. And then I will take you to the land that I've promised to give you. Guys, there's instructions for us to do. There were instructions for the Israelites. But the problem is this. Many times we go into our relationships not as a covenant, but as a contract. When we go back to solid ground, when you, let's just go marriage here, when you go back to where you began, when you made a covenant, when you made a vow to each other, did you make a covenant or did you make a contract? Contracts are made because they know people are going to break the contract. And you can go back on paper and go, okay, here's the contract. But when you make a covenant, God made a covenant with his people, a blood sacrifice covenant. And see, we don't do a blood sacrifice covenant when we stand at an altar, but we stand at an altar and say to the Lord, hey, Lord, I'm in. For better, for worse, for richer, for poor, sickness and in health. Hey, Jesus, I'm in. Let's us, us, us back away from the marriage. Let's, back, let's walk into your relationship with Jesus. Hey, Lord, I'm in. At the age of 18, I accepted Jesus in my life. I went home and told my mom. There was a, a major alcohol issue of my mom and dad. And I came home from FCA camp. When I was 18, between my senior high school and first year college, I said, Mom, I accepted Jesus in my life, and he's transformed my heart. And my mom said, it's a fad. You'll get over it. And can I tell you, I didn't get over it. Have you gotten over it? Has some bad things happened in our life? that we don't understand, and we go, God, if you're the God of love, why would you allow that to happen? 
And see, I know this, at the eight, at the 12-year mark of our marriage, when Debbie says this, if this is what marriage is all about, I don't want it. Man, it was the worst day of my life. Because I'm on staff of a Baptist church. And I'm going to lose my wife, I'm going to lose my kids, I'm going to lose my job because they're going to fire me because I got a divorce. And so I didn't have an option, thank you, Jesus. I thought, Lord, what are you doing? God, if you are the God of love, why is all this bad stuff? Why is this happening? And Jesus said, Steve, I made a covenant with you. Walk with me. And my plans are better than your plans. And see, I didn't have a clue what the plan was. I'm just trying to save my marriage. Can I just tell you, I when I go to weddings today, there's so much deeper meaning to me as that bride and groom stand at the altar in front of that pastor. I'm thinking, do you really understand how much God loves you and that he's going to be faithful to you to the end? If we had that ability to be faithful, it would be so different. But let me tell you what your greatest enemy is going to be when it comes to drifting, whether that's drifting from God whether that's drifting from a a child or a friend or a marriage. You know what your greatest enemy is going to be? It's going to be your pride. Because let me tell you what happens. I know you because we're all alike. When we recognize that we've drifted, and can I just tell you, we will recognize it. Because the relationship gets awkward. We We don't have that same closeness. And so when you realize that's happened... This is what your attitude is going to be. I'll make a move when they do. And guess what? If that's your attitude, you're both going to stay still and nothing's going to change. I, um, I'll never forget about, I don't know, 15 years ago, let me say, my mom had to have knee replacement surgery. Steve and I, the last church he was on staff in was in Shreveport, Louisiana. My parents lived in Tyler, Texas, hour and a half drive from each other. My mom called me, and she said, I've got to have knee replacement surgery. And she said, I I would feel better doing it in Shreveport where you are, just in case something happened. I said, Mom, that's no problem. So we brought Mom and Dad, took them to an orthopedic. We set up surgery, and we set it up intentionally to do it around the 1st of January before Steve and I got on the road doing marriage conferences. Mom goes in. She has surgery. Everything went well. The second day, everything stopped because they found a blood clot. Once they found the blood clot, she couldn't get up. She couldn't walk on that knee. They had to put her on blood thinners, and y'all know, everything kind of changed. She was kind of stuck for a few days. By the end of the week, they were ready to release her, but she was in no way ready to go home because she had not been able to walk on that knee. So we bring them home with us. And for a week, I'm a caretaker. I'm taking care of mom and dad for a whole week. That's a clear sign of it wasn't intentional drifting, but I'm a caretaker, so there was no Steve and Debbie time. Right. For a week, I took care of Mom and Dad. Finally, on Friday, we got them ready to go home, got them packed up, sent them away. Steve and I had to get packed because we had to go do a marriage conference in Austin, Texas. It's about a five-hour drive from Shreveport. Y'all, we get in the car to make our way to Shreveport, and God, you know he doesn't speak to us audibly, but God basically said to me, Debbie, I need you to reach out to Steve. You're not connected. And I'm like, well, tell him. 
this thing called pride. And you know what? I didn't reach out to him. In fact, you know what I did? Because I think we do sometimes play games with God. I picked up my Bible and I started reading it. And I'm like, isn't this good, God? God said, Debbie, I told you to reach out to him. Y'all don't know me that well, but I'll go ahead and tell on myself I'm a little stubborn and a little strong-willed. So we drove all the way to Austin, and I never reached out to Steve. We got to this church. We spoke Friday night, Saturday morning. Friday night we finished, and we were driving back to the hotel, and Steve looked at me, and he said, Debbie, we weren't as gelled as we normally are. And I was like, no, 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 it was good. Again, my pride. We went to bed that night. In the middle of the night, God woke me up. Now, y'all, I like my sleep. So if God wants to talk to me, that's when he knows to get my attention. He woke me up and he said, Debbie, I'm going to tell you one more time. I want you to reach out to Steve. And even then, I said this to God. God, he's the spiritual leader. Why don't you tell him? God said, Debbie, because I told you. I finally waved that white flag. And all I did, guys, is I scooted across that king-size bed. And I just snuggled my way up underneath Steve's arm. And he reached his arm around me. And instantly, we were connected. But let me tell you something. Pride is going to keep you from doing what God tells you to do. That's why there's over 300 verses about pride in the Bible. Because he knows us. I want to read you something about pride. It's the, it's the most powerful thing I've ever read. Because I want you to hear what your battle is. And I want to get your attention. It says, my name is pride. I am a cheater. I will cheat you of your God-given destiny because you demand your own way. I'll cheat you of contentment because you think you deserve better than this. I'll cheat you of knowledge because you think you already know it all. And I'll cheat you of healing because you're too full of yourself to forgive. I'll cheat you of holiness because you refuse to admit when you are wrong. I'll cheat you of genuine friendship because nobody's ever going to know the real me. I'll cheat you of love because real romance will always demand a sacrifice. I'll cheat you of greatness in heaven because you refuse to wash another's feet on this earth. And I'll cheat you of God's glory because I'll convince you to seek your own glory. My name is Pride. Believe me, I'm a cheater. You like me because you think I'm always looking out for you. Untrue. I'm looking to make a fool of you. Don't worry. If you stick with me, you'll never know. Guys, you have got to battle your pride. Because when it comes to drifting, you're going to stay still, and it's going to lead you down a road of destruction and loneliness and bitterness. And you cannot allow that to happen. So, let's go back to the Israelites. They were drifters. So again, Steve and I kept reading and kept reading. In Joshua chapter 4, if you ever follow the Israelites, you know in Joshua chapter 4, they finally get to the promised land. Now y'all, I don't know what that day was like, but when I read God's word, I try to pretend I'm there. I try to go there and feel what they were feeling. I cannot imagine what that day was like. Because they knew they had walked away from God multiple times, yet God remained faithful. 
So as they get to the promised land, God instructs Joshua in chapter 4. He said, before you take my people across the Jordan, he says, I want you to do one thing. And he said, I want you to go get one person from all 12 tribes. And I want them to bring a stone. And we're going to place those stones in the Jordan as a reminder, and not of our faithfulness, but of God's faithfulness. So that generations and generations to come will see God's faithfulness. Now, y'all, if that's what God instructed Joshua to do, I think he's telling us to do the same thing. I think we should have stones in place of God's faithfulness to us personally, to our marriage, to our life. Do you have stones of God's faithfulness? We tell couples all the time, this is a great date night. Go out on a date by yourselves. Couples don't know how to go on dates anymore by themselves. Go out on a date by yourself and sit down and begin to name because there's multiple signs and stones of God's faithfulness to you and to your marriage. Stones stones in your marriage are things that you prayed for and then God showed up and goes, okay, let me... Let me show up in this area. We and you're going. If you go, if you go on a date, you're going. Well, I don't think we can. I don't know that we have very many. Can I just tell you? You have way more than you understand. And when you get in the drifting time, uh, if this is what marriage is, I don't think I want it anymore. If you get in a time where you're going, ah, I don't know what's going on. You need to have those stones of faithfulness in your life that you can go back and go. No, 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 no. I've got a stone. Let me show let me show you a stone that you didn't even know you had, but here it is. Here's a, a stone of God's faithfulness where Jesus shows up and you're going, okay, God, whew, you were still working on us, but it's good. So y'all, as we sat on that beach at the 12-year mark, I'll be honest with you. I was waffling. Do I want to stay in this or do I want to walk away? And let me just tell you something. God knew, God knew these things were going to happen. But God knew that he could use everything that happens in our life if we will hold on to him and not let go. I want to share with you one of our stones. And y'all, we have multiple stones. In fact, that may be the last book I write is the stones of God's faithfulness in our lives. But I want to share this one because I want you to see how powerful God is. Steve and I got married. I grew up in Richmond, Rosenberg, just right down the road. That's where I grew up. So that's where Steve and I got married 45 years ago. We got married at First Baptist Church, Rosenberg. And y'all, I don't know why, but I wanted a candlelight wedding, which meant we didn't get married till 8 o'clock at night. I I would not recommend that. That's just a little too late. But anyway, we got married at 8 o'clock that night, had our wedding, had our reception, and then we had already planned, you know, we're poor ministers. And so we, we couldn't go on a honeymoon that we really wanted to go on. But we had decided to splurge and spend the first two nights of our wedding at the Westin at the Galleria. And so Steve and I get in our car after the reception and we drive to the Westin. And I will never forget, we pull up. And the valet comes out and says to Steve, can I park your car? The guy goes, can I park your car? I said, no, "No, you cannot. (laughs) I said, that's going to cost me $2. (laughs) And he goes, okay. And and, and, again, 
stupid Steve. Uh, I, Debbie got out of the car in her gown. Don't laugh that hard. And I wouldn't park the car. Debbie's standing there going, well, he left her already, you know. So, so we spent two nights. So anyway, on Sunday, we get up, and Steve said, Debbie, I don't know what you want to do today. And he said, but one thing we've got to do is we've got to go wash our car. Y'all, we got back, we got married back in the era where they literally destroyed your car. Shoe you know, polish. Shoe, they just painted just, just married, married and all yeah, kinds of yeah. stuff all over your car. We're in Houston, Texas, July 15th, the hottest time of the year. So Steve knew that if we didn't go wash all that stuff off the car, the sun was going to bake that into the car. And we laugh and still say yeah. that we think when we sold that car, you could see I think it. you could look at an angle <laughs> and you could still see just married on the hood. Yeah. So I said to Steve, that's great. I said, we'll just drive down Westheimer and we'll find a car wash. So we get in our car that afternoon. We drive down Westheimer and we find a car wash. Now, y'all, these are car washes back in the day. They, weren't, they were manual. You yeah. know, they weren't the drive-through kind. So we get out of the car and we're washing our car. And, y'all, we're just having a ball. We're on our honeymoon. We're spraying each other. We're laughing. We're just having a great time. All of a sudden, and probably only a minister would do this, but all of a sudden Steve looked at me and he said, you know what, babe? He said, I want to go to church somewhere tonight. Now, y'all, we're on our honeymoon. Probably only a minister would talk about going to church. He said, I want to go to church somewhere tonight. And he said, I want to go thank God for what he has begun in us. And I said, you know what, that's a great idea. He said, so where should we go? And I thought for a few minutes, and I thought, you know what? I said, Steve, First Baptist Church Houston is just a couple of blocks from the hotel. And I said, the great thing about this church is it's huge. And I said, we can walk in that huge church tonight and sit way in the back, and nobody will ever know we're there because we don't want to talk to anybody. Thank we're you. on our honeymoon. Amen. So we purposefully got there about 10 minutes after 7, after it already started. They're doing praise and worship. We sneak into this, what, 3,000-seat auditorium, and we walk in, and we sit down, and the closest people to us are about seven or eight rows in front of us. We're thinking, okay, this is good. Well, John Bassanio gets up and says, church family, I want you to stand and greet those that are visiting with us tonight. So if you're a visitor, will you please stay seated and let us greet you? And I look to Debbie and I go, uh, do we start our marriage on a lie? <laughs> do we stand up and pretend we're members or do we stay seated and let people greet us? So we did not start it on a lie. We stay seated and people came to greet us. So the first couple that came to us was an older couple, and they were so sweet, and they came back and introduced themselves. We introduced ourselves, but they weren't content. They wanted to know more and more and more. So we eventually tell them, we got married last night. Steve is a youth minister at a church right outside of Kansas City, and we're on our honeymoon. Well, they thought we were so cute, and they just hugged on us. They finally walked off. A couple of other people came back and greeted us, and then the welcome time was over, and we looked at each other and said, Okay, we got through that. Right. But then John Bassanio gets up to the pulpit, and he said, Church family, we have a precious young couple with us tonight <laughs> that just got married last night, and they're in the ministry. I told Deb, I said, there's another couple. <laughs> we are going to go introduce ourselves to them. This is awesome. <laughs> and then before we knew it, John Bassanio said, Steve and Debbie Wilson, I want you to come up to the front with me. Y'all, 
My knees just shook, and it's been 45 years. They just shook like they did 45 years ago. Let me tell you what ended up happening that night. That obviously, that older couple went and told John about us. And we began to make our way up that aisle. Y'all, I thought it was five miles. I mean, it felt like the longest aisle I'd ever walked. As Steve and I made our way up that aisle, I remember people reaching out and patting us on the back and saying, God bless you. It was so sweet. And we walked up those 12 steps up to that podium. Y'all, John Bassanya was a big man. He yo-yoed sometimes, but at this time, he was a pretty big man. And he grabbed skinny Steve, and he put Steve on one side, and he grabbed skinny Debbie, and he put Debbie on the other side, and he said, church family, Mm -hmm. he said, I want you to pray with me. I'm going to pray a prayer over this couple. And let me tell you what John Bassanio prayed July 15, 1978. He said, oh, God. And if you ever heard John Bassanio pray, you might have thought it was God. He said, oh, God, thank you for bringing this couple together. And, oh, God, I pray that all the days of their life, you will show them your faithfulness. And then he paused. And then he said, and, oh, God, if it be your will, will you allow this couple to stand in front of thousands and proclaim of your goodness. Now go with me. The 12-year mark, I'm sitting on the bench, and I'm waffling. I'm like, God, I'm so tired. I don't want to fight this anymore. I don't want to do this. And God brought that remembrance to me and said, oh, no, Debbie, that's right. He said, I began an incredible work in you, July 15th. 1978, and you're not always going to like every step of the way. It's going to get rough. It's going to get rocky. It's going to get hard. But if you will stay with me, I will be faithful to complete it. My question to you today is, do you trust his faithfulness? Do you trust that what he began when he started your marriage that if you'll fall on your face before him because you feel like you're so far apart you can't find each other, that God will be faithful to bring you back together and complete it in ways that you would never imagine. That's the same God that said that about us. He's saying the same thing about you. Can I tell you, God's a promise keeper. Amen. When you stood at an altar somewhere and said, I do and I'm in, the covenant you made with him and he made with you, God says, I'm here with you. Bad things don't happen so you can run. Bad things happen. There's things that happen in your life so that you can back up and realize that God's up to something. We heard a sermon the other day that just, just really hit my heart that said, you realize Every event in our life is a training ground for an event to come. Did you grasp that? There are bad things that happen to us. And we can either get mad at God or we can go, Okay, God, I'm going to take this. I don't understand it and I don't understand it. 
There's a lot of things I don't understand, but I know this, God says, if you will walk, allow me to walk with you through that, I will show you at the end what I'm going to use your life for. Being, being at the age where uh, we're empty nesters, God's not done with us. Some of us that are uh, older in this group, you think, well, I've paid my dues. Uh, it's not a country club. These young couples need you. For you to be able to go, okay, in the name of Jesus, you're being stupid right now. Because I was stupid. But in the midst of you're being stupid, come walk with me. God's got a plan. I've got a, I've got a, a plan for your life that's better, bigger and better than you can understand. Our Ministry verses, Ephesians 3, 17, 18, 19, and 20. And verse 20 says, and, and, to, and, and he is able to do in your life. He wants to do in your life more than you could dream, think, or imagine. Not because of what you've done, but because of the power, because of the commitment the covenant commitment that God's made with you because of the power of God working in you and through you to impact a world out there that needs desperately to know who Jesus is. So will you put your pride down? Will you recognize the fact that our relationships are not about a contract? That's what the world says. But if you know Jesus, you know that our relationships are sealed with a covenant. Steve and I are reading through the Bible this year, and we are reading through Genesis. And I just wept the other day, mm. thinking about Noah. God looked upon the earth, and everybody was walking away from God. But Noah. So God instructed Noah, take your family, build an ark. Take these animals. And he flooded the earth because of the corruption and the evil and the people that walked away from him. And you know what? When that flood subsided and they walked back out, what sign was there of God's faithfulness in his covenant? A rainbow. And I wonder if every time you see a rainbow, will you be reminded? of God's covenant to you. See, y'all, that's what church is about. Sunday mornings are an opportunity for Justin to come up here and remind you of God's faithfulness. Why? Because we need to be reminded. Once we walk out these doors, the world does not remind you of God's faithfulness. You have to hold on and have stones in your life sure. of God's faithfulness. So will you? Hmm. What will you do with God's word? this morning. Let's pray together, Pastor. Father, I love you. Thank you for uh, the faithfulness that you are in our life, Jesus. Thank you for the covenant we have made with you, you have made with us. That Jesus, we, uh, through the bad times, you're there. Through the good times, you're there. Through the times we don't understand, you're there. So Jesus, let us be like Noah. Be worthy to be called out to lead, to be the man, the woman that God's called us to be. 
Thank you for your love. Bless this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Wow, thank you.